This country was built on a distinctly American work ethic. But today, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and diminished our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make a variety of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more. All made right here in the USA, from growing the cotton to adding the final touches. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs for seamsters, cutters, and factory workers in towns and cities across the United States. And it's about more than an income. Jobs bring pride, purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Early Read Bedside. It's college football betting show. I'm your host, Reed Wallach. Follow me on Twitter, at Reed Wallach. We are here for week 11 college football, typically this is a breakdown show where we look ahead, but first we need to pick up the pieces that was a chaotic week 10 in college football. We saw number one, number four, and number six in the college football playoff rankings all go down uh, last week. It was a chaotic turn, so we brought in some of the big guns to talk some Alabama football, some college football playoffs, give out some winners. That, of course, is Travis Ryer from BamaOnline.com, 24-7 sports Crazy weekend for you, Travis. I appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you very much. How's it going, man? Doing good. Thanks for having me, Reed. Yeah. Uh, so, obviously, we are going to start our show with Alabama. We Our marquee matchup, we usually bring on a guest related to it. And, you know, we had Alabama Ole Miss circled as the game of our week. And as Travis just jumped out there. So, I'm going to keep filibustering here. But Alabama goes down in Baton Rouge last week, 32-31. Alabama on the wrong end now of two of probably the game of the years, Travis back in here. But as I was saying, Alabama on the losing end of two of, I think the best games this season, you know, you go to Baton Rouge, lose in death Valley, 32, 31 chaotic finish. Jaden Daniels uh, finds um, Taylor for a touch, a two point conversion. That's it for Alabama. Uh, Travis, I guess I'll start with, what went wrong for Alabama and Death Valley? And then I guess we could kind of zoom out and say, where did this go wrong for what was the preseason national championship favorite? Yeah, it was just Alabama having an opportunity on the road in the second half to close out a game. And simply, you know, it was the offense in the first half that had its struggles. It was not the, the best over Bryce Young at the quarterback position. But as he's done over the last two seasons, when you get it, down to winning time. Bryce comes through in a big way for you. Hands the lead over the defense there between the third quarter and the overtime. That side of the ball wasn't it. And you know, Jaden Daniels was as billed. You knew he was going to be a busy guy in the game. You knew he was going to play. He ran the ball 18 times. None of that, I think, was a surprise to the Alabama defense. Well, 
those guys and that experience side of the football for, for Alabama, you're talking about nine all SEC selections just on defense. And they weren't able to get stops or take slow down that LSU run, run game specifically once it got going there in the second half. Yeah, yeah I just think I feel like every game, Bama, on the road, it feels like you could almost like sense when it's going wrong for them. The penalties, the, you know, unfortunate drops left and right. And then, you know, it's like Bryce Young, will you save us? And, you know, Bryce Young, can you bail us out? And I mean, did you think something, you know, I know there was a Texas close call. There was, of course, the Tennessee loss, a little bit different. This game, I'm not sure where to pinpoint the loss, but it just feels like my biggest issue with Alabama this year the offensive line was just incredibly inconsistent time over time. And the lack of a dynamic pass catcher to really connect with Bryce Young. I Is there something else that I'm missing that went wrong for this team? Where did you think, whether it's Nick Saban, whether it's the team in general, what went wrong that now Alabama, and I guess there, there's chaotic scenarios where Bama gets in, but I think they're all but done here uh, college football playoff-wise. Well, you pretty much hit on it. This isn't <laughs> an, an offense that's been a – able to image and really control games via the run. Amir Gibbs has been great. great. Yeah. He's a home run hitter, versatile guy. Saw it once again against LSU. He had eight catches. He had 163 scrimmage. But they're not able to impose their will at the point of attack like they've been able to do. And that shows up. You know, yeah. I mean, in their two losses, Bryce has thrown the football, I think, 100 in the Tennessee and LSU games, that's 51, 52 times per game he's throwing the football. One thing last year when you had Jamison Williams and you had John mm. Betchy in that rotation, you don't have those guys. There's some credit. He's emerging here later in the season, but it ha hasn't been the season you anticipate over from Georgia. Another transfer that they brought in, uh, uh, Tyler Harrell from had injury issues, hasn't been a factor. So they've kind of been what they've been. Uh, but, yeah, I th think you can point back to the lines of scrimmage defensively, too. I mean, I mean, in each of the two, over 180 rushing yards. So we can talk about Jaden Daniels. We can talk about uh, the Quinn Hooker, and those guys are great. But when Alabama's given up 180-plus, it's really not the kind of game they're going to win. Yeah, absolutely. And now this kind of opens the door. We're here at um, week 10 as Travis, I think we're going to get some audio issues fixed there, but we're here now, you know, week 11. And it seems pretty clear that we have a Georgia, Ohio state, assuming they went out of that big game against Michigan looms large now in the last week of the season. But it's kind of those two teams seem to be above the rest. I think Tennessee is a big benefactor. And when Travis comes back in, I'm um, interested to hear it. There we go. Travis, you're there. I'm interested now. I'm here. Talking, no, no, all good. Talking college football playoff, though. Tennessee, you saw them up close. You saw them beat Alabama. They actually seemed, after the loss to Georgia, they're actually okay, it looks like. You know, we could get into, you know, there's still a lot of permutation on how this all finishes with, like, one loss conference champions. But Tennessee, after what seemed like lost control of their own destiny, it now seems like, you know, depending on where the committee is going to rank them, they might be okay with just a little bit of help to still make the college football playoff. What are your thoughts on the balls going forward? I mean, they're going to be at least two touchdown favorites the rest of the way here. Um, they're likely going to win out. 
in the regular season, do you still think Tennessee is likely to make the college football playoff? And do you still think, do you think they're a contender or you think it's kind of Georgia, Ohio State, and then everybody else? No, I, I thought right after the loss and even going into the Georgia point with house money mm-hmm. uh, in the most ideal scenario that's out there. You don't championship game. So with what they've got left on their schedule and how they should coast and then get into December and be able to shut it down and recover and get guys healthy from that ankle injury and maybe some other issues that you're dealing with. My antithesis is going to be in that four. When it's all yeah. said and done, I know we got to talk about TCU, but you being in this thing beyond on the upcoming weekend. So we'll see. It's been a hell of you know all the credit in the world to Sonny Dykes and year one there. It's been a tremendous job that he's done. Absolutely. Uh, I think when you look at, at how things are going to play out, um, you know, it could be Michigan making an argument, right, for that four-team yeah. team, uh, in a similar situation to one another. Yeah, I think the Michigan-Ohio State game is going to be very, very interesting because – Michigan, let's say it goes as planned. Ohio State wins. I think like the look at market, they're like around a seven point favorite. So let's say Ohio State wins by one score. Michigan's non-conference schedule might come back and haunt them because you see Tennessee, who they beat. I believe they've now beaten four top twenty-five teams. Mm-hmm. Um, Pitt isn't Pitt isn't much to call home about anymore, but it's still better than what Michigan faced. I believe it was Michigan played uh, UConn, Hawaii, and I'm drawing a blank on the third, but. You know, they just destroyed those teams. You know, Tennessee now has some backing going into it. So I think it's going to be interesting when you look at what happens to Clemson now with one loss. I personally don't want to see Clemson make the uh, college football playoff because that team is miserable and Dabo really has kind of lost the script with that team. But what does a one loss TCU do? What does a one loss Oregon do potentially? Or even UCLA, you know, how does the committee stack up Tennessee to those teams? So I think there's a lot of intrigue around the college football playoff now. I'll ask you, uh, what is your top four? If you had to pick right now the top four rankings at the end of this regular season, how are you, how do you see it playing out? Wow. I haven't given that a whole lot of thought I would have there. Um, probably Ohio State. And then for me, it gets, it's tricky for me. Um, I think Tennessee will be tied and done. Uh, uh, you know, Oregon's very interesting, and you could definitely, see that, but there's still some scar tissue, I think, in the minds of the the football at, from the season mm-hmm. opening debacle uh, uh, against Georgia. So, uh, three or four of the teams I would expect right now to be there, given how things are likely to play. Uh, I don't think you can totally disregard TCU um, at this point. I don't, again, I don't, I think a TCU in terms of their either going to run the table to the playoff or speaker in one of the coming weeks and when you put that resume up next to say a Tennessee it's going to have a hard time holding up maybe even as a maybe even as a league champ yeah I think these one loss conference champions versus Tennessee versus potentially Michigan that's kind of where this stress point is going to be and it's kind of this unique situation for the committee we haven't seen it all that much so I'm really interested to see how this top four shakes out. I'm really interested to see how tonight goes. I expect TCU is going to take a big jump up. Tennessee, I'm interested in where they rank. Do do they stay in the top four? They were just the number one team. You lost to number three on the road 
does the committee keep you in the top four and I guess leaves you as like a vulnerable bottom half team? If I were to say a top four right now, I would go Georgia one, Ohio State two. I'm going to say Oregon three, but I'm not even confident in that. Assuming they run the table, they're probably in there four, yeah. four yeah. Tennessee. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of um, a lot of permutation on how this all could play out. I think uh, uh, some of it too depends on how much people really want because it looks good on paper pretty mm-hmm. you know not awful 14 point loss to the number one ranked team in the country but if you watch the game oh yeah you know georgia it, it was a 14 point win that felt like a 34 point win so that factor into this too the scoreboard mm-hmm. watchers and and how, how people go about that for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We will get into Georgia in just a little bit, but let's get into some bets. Let's give out some winners. Just a little bit of housekeeping here. Um, just a big, re- quick recap. Five and two last week on the show. Show record now 44, 35 and one against the spread on plays given out on Tuesday. Great season. Three weeks to go. Let's finish out strong. If you're here, make sure you smash that subscribe button. We're almost at a thousand subscribers on the bet side YouTube page. We'd love to get to that. Five stars, likes, wherever you're listening, just give it a good review. We really appreciate it. Um, and yeah, let's keep the winning rolling. And we start with our marquee matchup. Listen, Alabama might not make the college football playoff, but we can still talk about their big game. Alabama laying 11 and a half in Oxford against Ole Miss. Ole Miss coming off a bye. Total sit at 63 and a half. Um, we got Travis again here. So Travis, just set the, set, set the stage for you here. Alabama laying 11 and a half. Total of 63 and a half. Um, where do you go with this tie team? What is the vibe with the program now that you know dream kind of crushed uh lane kiffin of course on the other side we know he loves to get up for these big games we know he is coming off a bye he spent all uh the past two weeks preparing the game plan uh how do you see this going down in oxford uh saturday afternoon it, it's hard it's almost impossible to say because we just don't see alabama in this situation it's yeah. early uh in the regular season i say early and it's mid-November but that's still early thing so it's a psyche type of game um it's tiring it from the opening snap especially on the defensive side you know Lane's gonna have a great he's good mm-hmm. throughout the game but what but he'll have scripted for the first 20 plays or so worries you if you're Alabama because if you're not not fully engaged and uh ready exposed was pretty quickly and so I I like Ole Miss plus the 11 and a half in a scenario where even if it's seven to nothing that's going to put Alabama in up rest of the game and this isn't an Alabama team that in terms of resiliency once that now the tube has been able to get it back in there and and put the cap on it so issues with this Alabama team that concern you you and also Ole Miss, the SEC's leading rushing. As I talked about, Alabama 
Alabama on the road hasn't been especially stifling against the run. So job of it in last year's meeting in Tuscaloosa, Alabama held on to the football for 40 minutes in Tuscaloosa. We haven't seen as much of those type of qualities, though, from this South this point. So that number looks pretty good to me if you're talking about a, a home dog with yeah, I, I lean towards the Ole Miss side. I couldn't get there as much. I do think there are some factors in play. Because like you said, you don't know where this Alabama team is. This is uncharted territory for the Crimson Tide. Are they going to quit? Are they going to you know bounce back strong? Usually like Nick Saban off a loss is like the nuts in sports betting. This is kind of different though because this is they are usually in the college football playoff conversation until the bitter end. Now they're out of it. Um, I think what we do know is that Lane Kiffin and the Rebels are going to bring their A game. They play at the third fastest tempo in the country in terms of plays per minute. So they're going to be humming and hawing. And also, whether Alabama wants it or not, you're going to see Ole Miss very aggressive. They're going to be going for it often. If they get it, that's great. There's more scoring opportunities. If they don't get it, you're talking about Alabama with a short field. I think you're going to see a big Jameer Gibbs game here. You mentioned him in the LSU breakdown. This is an Ole Miss defense that is – one um bottom third of the country in EPA per rush, 112th in red zone defense on a touchdown percentage basis. So this is a team that once you get in close, you're putting in six. So I think you're going to see Alabama put in points. And we saw last year, if I'm not mistaken, Alabama went up 28 nothing in the first half. Ole Miss kept pushing until yeah. the bitter end and tried to cover that spread. Lane Kiffin <laughs> knows about the spread. And if Alabama goes up big – Ole Miss is going to be pushing at the end to get over uh, to get some points in and cover this double-digit spread. I took the over 63 and a half. That's my look. I think that whichever way you go, whether Alabama wakes up and, you know, they play it motivated, Ole Miss gets in at the end and you see something in the neighborhood of like 42-24, 42-28, uh, that goes over. Or you see Ole Miss and Alabama get into a dogfight, paid played at the Rebels' pace, and it's going to be up-tempo. There's going to be a ton of plays, a lot of go-for-it opportunities. And I think we see a shootout where each team is breaking 30 with ease. So, yeah, I took the over um, 63.5. Anything to 65 is good with me. Um, I just think that this, this game, whichever way Alabama's motivation is, you see points. Uh, you know, any thoughts there on how I kind of see this game breaking down? Well, yeah, Alabama's last time they went to Oxford two years ago now. Now, a little different team with Mac yeah. Jones, Devontae Smith, and they had to. They had to score 63 because they gave up over 600 yards of offense and then Lane Kiffin's third game at Ole Miss. Now he's you know, a couple of years in, and I'm going to clean some things up in that matchup a year ago, starting with defending the run. You know, yeah. Ole Miss hard rushers in that game uh, there at home. And last year, not so much with Jerry yeah, I think uh, um, I think points is a fair <laughs> expectation. For, yeah, uh, yeah, I, it wouldn't surprise me to see that go. Over. Yeah, for sure. So let's bring up that recap graphic there. As uh, I think we're seeing eye to eye here. Uh, you know, Travis taking the points with Ole Miss plus eleven and a half against Alabama. I'm gonna take the over sixty three and a half. I just think that kind of mitigates some risk. Either way, whether Alabama. They, they come out pissed off and they want to win the game and, you know, they play hard. I still think that this game gets over. Or Ole Miss, you know, this game is more of a close call and Alabama's just kind of sleepy after the loss to LSU. So great stuff there. We're going to stick in the SEC, though. Travis is 
you know, covers the SEC. Like I said, Bama Online, 24-7 sports. So we were talking about Georgia. We were talking about specifically, if you watch that game, the fact that Tennessee had a chance to cover at the end of the game was ridiculous. Georgia I threw one pass in the fourth quarter. They were cool just punting the ball back and just getting all up over Hendon Hooker. Um, this Georgia team made an absolute statement. I don't think 27-13 does justice. That was a total ass kicking. Like just <laughs> They absolutely took care of business like they were supposed to. Um, I was on Georgia in that game. I don't know what your opinion on was, but I'd love to hear what you're thinking now. They're back on the road against a Mississippi State team that I think was everyone's like trendy dark horse in the SEC heading into the year. Good team, but I still think they're not where people that were bullish on them thought they'd be. So Georgia going to uh, Starkville, 16 and a half point favor. How do you see it? I like Georgia, and I know it's a big number on the road, but I've seen this matchup before because I've seen Alabama State under Mike Leach the last three times they've gotten together. <laughs> and the problem Mississippi defenses that are as elite or as, as talented as, say, Alabama and Georgia to the quarterback with just three or four guys. They don't have to gamble. They don't have to bring blitzation. But what you see Alabama do year in and year out to this Mike Leach offense is rush for them, hit Will Rogers, and wait on him to throw you the football. Because it's an I think that's the matchup that Mississippi State's looking at on the offensive side and it's not I guess, mm. I guess the question you could have with Georgia is coming off that uh, you know emotional Tennessee at home last weekend what will their, their mindset be like I guess I trust perspective and again and I think the matchup really helps Georgia this, this week I completely agree I if the, I was playing this it'd be the Georgia side for me I think that you know People were talking like Georgia doesn't have good pressure rate. They don't do this. It's because they only rush three and they're up by three touchdowns the entire game anyway. Like it, we saw last week when they wanted to bring some pressure, they brought some Dialed pressure and shut down the best offense in the country with ease. So, you know, I think the questions about Georgia were answered last week. We'll see where this goes. But I think that this number just, you know, I can't, you can't take Mississippi State in the spot. I don't see them really, you know, this was people I know, you know, in the look aheads and, you know, early in the season were like, oh, Georgia's in trouble against Mississippi State, but this defense isn't as good as people had thought. And I just don't know if you're going to see, I mean, Mississippi State had to go into an absolute war with Auburn last week. I think that's a bad look for them with Georgia coming to town. So I'm with you here um, on the Bulldogs. My best bet, uh, I'm going to take South Carolina plus eight against Florida. Um, Florida. Billy Napier, you want to back him as an underdog, but you want nothing to do with him as a favorite. One and four against the spread as a favorite are the Gators this year. They've won one game by more than a touchdown this season. It was against Eastern Washington. They have went to close calls with South Florida, Missouri. This is a team um, as a favorite that they are not winning with margin. You know, they beat Texas A&M, a team that you know was battling the flu, a team that it, frankly is just terrible. Um, so they were able to win with margin there, but that was as an underdog. You saw him as a favorite a few weeks ago against LSU. Really struggled, couldn't stop anybody. Now you get a South Carolina team that has a good offense. Spencer Rattler starting to figure some things out. And Florida's defense is just terrible. 107th in success rate, 116th in uh, stopping the run. I think that you're going to see the South Carolina team keep up with the Gators. Um, and the real key for me, the real big um, spot that I like is South Carolina. Number one in SP plus 
special teams rating. This is the best special teams in the country with Shane Beamer. He knows how to coach this unit. And I think they're going to mitigate the mistakes. This is a Florida team that is kind of just playing out this season, hoping to make a bowl. Again, Billy Napier's awesome as an underdog to bet, but as a favorite, especially when expected to win by margin, you haven't seen it this year. I mean, they were laying over three touchdowns against um, – uh, they were laying three touchdowns against South Florida. They needed a missed kick at the end to hold on to win that one. Missouri, double digits, couldn't cover. So I think that South Carolina is super alive to win this game, honestly, with the way Shane Beamer gets his team to play. So, like I said, Florida, one and four against the spread as a favorite. No way I'm laying this uh, spread. I'm going to take South Carolina plus eight as a – we wait for Travis to come back into uh, the stream here. Um, yeah, let's uh, bring up that recap graphic because we did get Travis's play. Um, he laid it with Georgia, minus 16 and a half. I took South Carolina plus eight against Florida. Um, and while we wait for him to come back in, um, I'll give my SEC bet out um, or underdog best bet out, um, which is we're going to an old friend. We're going to take the Naval Academy. Plus 17 against Notre Dame. We backed this team plenty of times on the show. We will happily back them again here against Notre Dame. And I was dead wrong against uh, Notre Dame last week. I took Clemson, blocked kick, put them up in their positive game script that they like to be ahead. They don't want to throw the ball. They want to just pound the rock and, you know, credit to them. They beat Clemson at home. That was very impressive. But this is similar to Florida where you do not want to back this team as a favorite. We saw them as a big favorite a few weeks ago against Stanford. Lose, struggle on offense. Uh, like Florida, one and four against the spread as a favorite. And the real reason why is Drew Pine can't throw the ball whatsoever. This guy is terrible. And two, the last two wins against Syracuse and Clemson, which looks impressive, he's 18 for 36 for 201 yards and in games that they've won by a combined score of 76 to 38. The Irish have feasted on turnovers, blocked kicks, blocked punts, special teams, touchdowns. I mean, you name it. Notre Dame has stumbled ahead, basically, and then they could just run the ball. They're going to have to throw in this game if they want success on offense because you're facing Navy, who has an awesome defensive line. They're number, uh, they're top 20 in defending the run this season. That's the strength of the defense. Suspect secondary, but if you're talking just straight up, you know, if you're going to pound the rock against each other, it's going to be like a service academy versus service academy game. Give me the midshipman catching 17. This number has been trickling down. So 16 and a half, I still like anything over two touchdowns is good with me. Low totaled game. I, I love Navy in this fight. I think Navy's live to win at home. Uh, two teams that are top 15 in rush rate. Um, and yeah, I love taking the points here. Notre Dame, not a team you want to back as a favorite. Um, as we wait for Travis to, Hopefully get back in the stream, uh, some internet issues there. But uh, Navy, while we're waiting, um, I guess we'll, because I Travis had this bet, I'm also going to be on this bet, so might as well just take credit for it. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll join up on this play. Uh, Arkansas, plus three against LSU. Uh, this might look gross, and you're thinking, oh, my God, LSU, like, got to back the Tigers here. This is the perfect sell-high spot on LSU. I mean, two weeks ago, we just brought up Florida. LSU was a dog in that game at Florida, plus two and a half. Last week against Bama, 13 and a half point underdog. So I understand you need to start adjusting LSU um, and maybe start taking them seriously as a top 10, top 15 team. But you're still going on the road noon in Fayetteville. I like taking the points with Arkansas because Arkansas especially can take advantage of LSU where it hurts. LSU is very vulnerable against the run. Outside the top 100 in EPA per rush, Arkansas with KJ Jefferson – 
They could just pound the rock all day. And while Arkansas's defense has struggled this season, I think you could see them hang around here. Three, very valuable. Um, and if you want to believe in that letdown factor, there is no bigger letdown. And I bet Travis is going to bring this up. There's no bigger letdown than uh, you beat Alabama in Death Valley in overtime on a two-point conversion. Now you got to go to Arkansas, who's already out of it. They just lost to Liberty. You don't want this game. I think this number is an overcorrection in the market. So I'll take the uh, the unattractive underdog and take the points with uh, the Razorbacks. So um, give me Arkansas plus three as we wait for Travis to uh, hopefully come back in the stream any second here. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if we want to flash some questions up as we give it maybe another minute or two, uh, we'll do like a pseudo office hours here. Uh, as Jerry Friedman, friend of the program, asked, any CFP conference futures you're high on at this point? Um, I mean, if we're just talking, I guess we could do Heisman here. Um, I think CJ Shroud, I said it last week, I think CJ Shroud is super likely to win the Heisman Trophy at this point. I don't know if CJ Shroud is any good, but I think he's going to win the Heisman, especially because Hendon Hooker getting that loss now. He's now out of the picture, in my opinion. This team is going to kind of fall off. They might kind of back into the playoff, but I think that the loss is going to be massive. If Ohio State wins out the rest of the way, I think that they're going to give this to C.J. Shroud. I saw this morning, the Athletic, they do like a straw poll of, you know, likely, I don't believe it's Heisman voters, but, you know, people that mimic the Heisman media. And um, and we could do, um, we could see that C.J. Shroud is already the favorite. Uh, I believe he was 11 points ahead in terms of votes of Hendon Hooker, and he's only going to look better. Um, they play Indiana this week. They're laying over 40 points. He's probably going to throw for 400 yards and six touchdowns. And you're looking at it, and then they play Maryland, and then they play Michigan. That game, Michigan, is going to be the crowning achievement of this Ohio State season. If they get revenge against the Wolverines and they win, they're seven-point favorites. They're likely to win. They do that, Ohio State's into the playoff. They're going to destroy whoever they play in the conference championship game. And Shroud's going to have the stats that stack up to anyone else on the best team. I think it's Shroud. If you want a long shot flyer, I think Stetson Bennett makes some sense. But I think Hooker already drawing dead. I've said all season, I think it's Stetson Bennett or CJ Shroud. And nothing changed my mind. The fact that Shroud is still in like a plus 175, plus 200 range is a little crazy to me. I, I like Shroud. Um, quite a bit. So there's one future I'm on in terms of adding stuff right now. A little late for that. Um, maybe, you know, I'll write something up if anything comes to mind, but I think I'm good where my preseason uh, portfolio is and we'll keep it rolling there. But um, I guess we're just going to keep moving here. We're going to, we're going to fly a little solo here because we're going to keep going there. So Travis, like I said, he's on Arkansas um, as we, so we, we spoke on Alabama, uh, Jerry, during the opening segment, but Tennessee minus 20 and a half. Uh, not sure I'm there yet. Missouri has a good defense, but Tennessee might be pissed off. And Josh Heupel comes from the run-up-the-score school of thought. Uh, you know, style points mean everything to him. This offense could hum. I'm not stepping in front of that train. That's probably a no-touch for me. Um, as we keep it moving here, uh, we're going to do some weekday uh, match and stuff for uh, this segment. We're going to do uh, – I have no plays on tonight that are still valuable uh, really quick. Ohio, Miami, Ohio tonight, uh, total 50 and a half. Yeah, I, I got 50 and a half. It's now through the key number of 51. I don't really like getting on the other side of it, but if that dips down below, I think that Ohio, Miami, Ohio over anything 51 or better is good to me. Ohio's offense is the best in the Mac this year with Curtis Rourke. We, we backed them last, 
week against Buffalo as three-point underdogs. But this Miami-Ohio offense might be a little slept on coming off a bye with Brett Gabber coming back from injury two weeks ago. I think that this last year, and he passed for like 275 yards a game. I mean, this offense, this was what the Ohio offense is this year. So I think over 50 and a half, anything 51 or better might end up being short there with Ohio, Ohio, Miami, Ohio. But for my best bet, it's tomorrow night in the MAC. Central Michigan, a pick against Buffalo. Uh, we faded Buffalo last week, allowed 45 points. Ohio, we were just talking about that. Central Michigan, I think this team is going to start trending upward. Uh, they benched Richardson for Jace Bauer and Bauer more of a, a running quarterback, uh, more protective with the ball. And that's really Buffalo's key to success. Can they turn your turn you over? Uh, Buffalo, 116th in yards per play this season, 30th in points per drive. That means they allow teams to just go up and down the field on them. And then the team just throws up on itself at the end of the drive and they don't put up points. So I trust Central Michigan. Their defensive line is nasty. Best in the MAC, top 20 in the country in sack rate. This Buffalo offense outside the top 100 and all offensive line metrics. So I think you could see a Central Michigan team that hasn't had a great year, has battled some injuries. Uh, I think you could see them bounce back here in this Buffalo team. Really, you start to sell on this team uh, heading into the final stages of uh, the regular season. So Central Michigan pick uh, is going to be my best bet. And then not sure what happened to Travis, so we're just going to keep it rolling here. I'll share his bet, though. Uh, He has Georgia Southern plus three against Louisiana. And um, I guess while we need to pass some time here, I'll just complain about Louisiana last week. I mean, up 17, nothing against Troy four point home underdog. Didn't give it out on the show, but Louisiana just absolutely falls apart on the offensive side of the ball. Troy comes back and ties it 17, 17. Now for some personal anecdote, my internet goes out at the end of this game. So I'm following on my phone and I see Troy, 10 seconds left inside the 25. I'm thinking, okay, Troy kicks a game-winning field goal, whatever. Let's wipe our hands clean. No need to run for a touchdown or anything. The game is tied, 17-17. I get an alert. Troy, 22-yard touchdown run. They reviewed it and then put him in the end zone. I don't even know what happened. I couldn't watch it. I had no internet. Um, and I lost Louisiana uh, plus four, a number that was just money the entire time. I was I basically counted as a win. I guess I spoke too soon. And that was at that was a five o'clock start. I basically knew my night slate was uh, cooked from there on out. That was just miserable, uh, bad beat there. And, you know, basically just went up in flames and, you know, ended up being a losing week. Uh, so Louisiana can't hate anybody fading them out of spite for uh, the money they cost me. So um, there is Travis's play on Georgia Southern plus three against Louisiana. I have no bet, but um, yeah. So Louisiana, uh, Georgia Southern plus three against Louisiana few more quick hitters I wanted to touch on um, in our best of the rest segment is Oklahoma, West Virginia, over 65 and a half. Um, there might be some quick factor with West Virginia, but at home, this offense has played very, very well this season. This Oklahoma defense is just terrible. Um, I mean, every um, the defense is 83rd in yards per play. They're bottom 20 in red zone touchdown defense. So West Virginia, I think, could put up some points here. But you look at the other side. I mean, Dylan Gabriel – you know, kind of one of the forgotten injuries of the season as the year has gone off the rails for Oklahoma. Um, but every game Gabriel's played in, the Oklahoma offense has scored on average 39 points. So, uh, you know, the team runs at a top 10 pace. They're absolutely electric. I just don't trust their defense to get any stops. So Oklahoma laying a big number on the road. Can't hate you looking to the Sooners with the West Virginia team kind of falling off the rails, but both teams absolutely slinging around the yard. 
Um, I think you're going to see both teams cruise into the 30s on this one. So I'll take the over 65 and a half. I think that this game is going to be kind of just back and forth. Last team with ball wins. But again, West Virginia might not show up and, you know, you see something in the neighborhood of 45-24 Sooners, which wouldn't surprise me. But I can't trust this Oklahoma D to get any stops. So I'll take the over there. And then one more, have not bet it yet. This number I will count. East Carolina, Cincinnati over 52 and a half. I'm going to wait and see if a 51 pops. Like I said, that's a key number. But I think the Cincinnati defense is really overrated based on last year's college football playoff team. I mean, they haven't really played that great offense and had a lot of fortunate circumstances. They allowed 27 at SMU and there were like 50 mile an hour wins. Allowed 21 to Tulsa with an injured quarterback and needed like goal line interceptions. Uh, UCF injured quarterback still allowed 25. Now you get ECU off a bye, and they throw the ball at a top 50 rate in the country. Offensive line is nasty. Top 25 in sacks allowed. Um, they play pretty fast, too, top half of the country in that. So I think you're going to see them test the Cincinnati secondary quite a bit and get some points on the board. And on the other side, Cincinnati's offense also plays fast. They throw at a top 40 rate. And they just got their number one receiver back, Scott. He had 10 catches for two touchdowns last week. ECU's defense, strong against the run, terrible against the pass. Top 40 against the run, bottom 20 against the pass. So I think you're going to see both teams really get into, you know, the high 20s, 30s here. And this might be back and forth. I think ECU is kind of live. Um, but, yeah, give me the over there. 52 and a half. I'm going to wait, but 52 and a half is still good with me. Um, yeah, so not sure what happened to Travis. There were a bunch of bets. Um, we'll bring up the full recap graphic before we start hitting some office hours and uh, get some questions out there. Um, so, Travis. He's on uh, Ole Miss plus 11 and a half against Alabama, Georgia minus 16 and a half against Mississippi State, Arkansas plus three against LSU, Georgia Southern plus three against Louisiana. And then for me, I took the over in Ole Miss, Alabama, 63 and a half, South Carolina plus eight against Florida, Navy plus 17 against Notre Dame, Central Michigan pick against Buffalo. Um, and I totally agree with Travis on Arkansas plus three. I'm going to make that a play for myself too. Uh, for those keeping score at home. So yeah, so let's get to some questions here as uh still not sure what happened to Travis, but oh man, the ship alone. So let's start with, um, let's talk with Jerry. We didn't talk about this game. Maybe the biggest game on the board in terms of college football playoff uh, aspirations. Jerry asked about um, the TCU, our horned frogs. Are we salivating at plus seven against Texas who might be frauds? I can't get there. I, I I think I'm going to sit this one out. I think Texas, the talent is there. I think this TCU team really banged up. Quentin Johnson, their star receiver, didn't finish the game against Texas Tech. I mean, this team is, you know, they, they play hard. I can't hate you for taking seven. I'm staying away. I kind of lean towards Texas first half. That might be a play for me. You know, we see this Texas team come out hot in a lot of games, and they really let teams get back into the game. Kansas State had a shot to tie it late. They blew it against Oklahoma State. It seems like Steve Sarkeesian – really crushes the scripted portion of the game. And then teams make their run in the second half and, you know, the offense looks a little stagnant and all of a sudden it's a one score game with a minute left and the other team has the ball. So Texas first half is my only look. I don't know if I could lay it with TCU. I was wrong fading Texas again against Kansas state, but um, I can't uh, lay this many points. I probably the side first half's kind of my look. Um, Let's see. So Roy Holyfield, he checked in. Uh, will Judkins, Evans, and Dart will be successful on the ground against Bama? Successfully equals 250 to 300 yards on the ground. Um, this is asking about the Ole Miss offense against Alabama. 
I think you're going to see some success from Ole Miss, especially in the first half. That was something Travis really harped on that. Lane Kiffin's going to have this team ready to go early. Um, I think this game tracks more towards kind of broken, frenetic pace, no real defense. This Ole Miss defense has been exposed as the season has wore on. I mean, LSU hung 40-plus on them. Uh, Texas A&M even moved the ball pretty easily against them. So I think that you're going to see points in this one. And I think Ole Miss is going to be pretty successful. I think Ole Miss probably the side to cover. I'm not going to lay that. Like I said, I'm on the over. But I think you're going to see some Ole Miss success on the ground. I think you're going to see Alabama. If there's any quit factor, I think it's on the defensive side of the ball. So I will uh, – I'm on the over. Travis on the you know Ole Miss with the points kind of with that quit factor. And then last one from Jerry before we wrap up here. Syracuse catching a touchdown in the Dome versus FSU. Seems like too many. I don't know. Syracuse has had a brutal schedule here. Schrader, I don't know where his health is at. And Florida State, uh, you know, I that was a one that just missed the board for me last week, fading, betting them against Miami. Couldn't get there. And, I mean, I don't know. Syrac- now it's like a similar line, but I got to hear more status on Schrader. And I definitely am leaning towards the Florida State side, though. I think that this team's pretty underrated. This is a team that is really trending upwards heading into la- uh, next year. Mike Norvell really got uh, – a really great showing from the likes of Travis and this budding uh, group. And not to mention blowing out Miami like that, uh, talking recruiting in Florida, that's a big win for the Knolls. So uh, Florida State, definitely a stock up team. Maybe there's a letdown, but I'm probably going to stay off this one. Florida State or nothing for me um, is my play. And then, yeah, that's going to be our show. Unfortunate about Travis's internet issues, but we gave you a bunch of plays there. If you want to go back, look at the recap graphic. I'll tweet it out at Reed Wallach uh, on Twitter. My bet stamp will have plenty of plays at RW33. Uh, big thank you anyway to Travis for coming on. I wish the internet worked out and he could have stayed on. Uh, big thank you to Sean Daly for jumping on and helping produce behind the scenes, uh, you know, part of the crack staff here we have at Minimedia. Um, and until then, everybody, if your team is ranked in the top four, be careful with your college football teams, but also have a profitable week 11, and we will see you for week 12. American Giant makes great clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, and more right here in the U.S. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order with code STAPLE20. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, code STAPLE20. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.